Hi, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Revelation Wellness Podcast. My name is Elisa Keaton. I'm honored every week to be your host, whether I get to be with you as you move your body or as you quiet down and be still, or when I invite you into these times where you're going to listen today to a conversation. This is a I mean, I'm just telling you, we are cranking out podcasts lately because they're just coming in hot right now with messages that I know God is saying, get this out there, get this out there. And so today, uh, you are going to be listening to a conversation that I had with four other fellow Revelation Wellness instructors, some fitness teacher, gospel preachers. And here's the thing, we're all figuring this out together. (laughs) If you are even considering becoming an instructor, Don't think that we're going to fix you. We're going to fix your eyes on Jesus. And he will hold things together when things feel often hard and maybe even falling apart. Today we're talking about our kids. We're talking about our kids and what it looks like to foster freedom in their relationship with food. Right? You're going to need to share this podcast. Please share it. You're going to need to go and leave a review and tell us that this podcast blessed you. Um, This podcast is so relevant. Here's the thing. I don't think we're going to solve any big problems today. This is a relational thing. There's, this is ongoing for our children. And how do we stay in relationship with them as they are figuring out their relationship with food? It is all of life is about relationship, relationship to God, our creator, and then to ourselves and to creation and to others who have been created. It's all relational. And wouldn't it be just like the enemy to try and discourage us to cut off relationship and to use food as a way of disconnecting us from each other? So I do believe you're going you're gonna to get some nuggets today. I do. You're going to get some nuggets. You're actually going to hear a story of one of our instructors who actually grew up with disordered eating and how her parents showed up for her. And honestly, a lot of testimony, a lot of laughter, um, and good information. Really, we encourage you to know you're not alone. You're in it. We're in it with you. And that God, more than anything, most importantly, is with us. We cannot fail. God is with us. Emmanuel. Be encouraged to this podcast. Let us know what you think. And I look forward to talking to you soon. Peace. All right, everyone. So as I said in the intro, this is a fun little kind of candid conversation with four fellow fitness teacher gospel preachers from platoons ranging from 15, 17, and 19. So I'm here with Hillary, Denise, Angie, and Tracy, and they are moms kind of in the thick of it in this area. We all are. So maybe Angie, could you just, I'm just going to give you all a second. Um, I'll start with Angie. Just tell us, you know, um, your kids' ages and um, where you are in this food and fitness freedom thing with your children, trying to raise up a generation of kids that are free. Yeah. So my kids are, um, the oldest one is just turned 22. Mm -hmm. He's a boy and then girl who's um, 18 um, boy who's 16 and girl who's almost 14 and we are just trying to journey together and putting um uh health you know trying to be healthy but also 
be free and Mm -hmm. be honest with each other Mm -hmm. in the struggle and, um, you know, take baby steps, I guess. Yeah. Thank you. Tracy. So I have four teenagers. My oldest son is 20, well, about to turn 20. Mm -hmm. I have two daughters that are 16, but they're two months apart in age. One's adopted, one's biological. Mm -hmm. And then I have a 14-year-old son who's also adopted. And um, it's been a rough ride. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to come back to you. I'm going to come back to you. Okay. Cause, cause the Tracy's the instigator of this entire conversation, which I'm (laughs) so happy. She lit a fire. So we're going to come back to Tracy. Um, Denise, tell us a little bit. Hi, uh, my daughter, my oldest is 18. Uh, she just graduated from high school. Mm-hmm. My son is 14, and then my youngest is nine. My youngest is also a boy, and okay. um, I don't know. <laughs> sometimes <laughs> I just go, I don't know. I, I feel like we're just figuring it out sometimes, hour by hour, minute by minute, day by day, um, and we mess things up, and we just try again. Amen. Okay. Thank God. Thank God to try again. And then Hillary. I have uh, two daughters. They are 13 and 11, so fully preteen and teen. And we just started the junior high middle school year this past year. Um, So parenting-wise, I feel like my girls and I have a pretty strong um, working relationship with each other. But I was talking to my husband about this, this call the other day, and he goes, well, what's disordered eating? And I kind of explained it from my experience. And he kind of looks at me and he goes, I think I have that. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, and so he's 40, mid 40s. So that's where we are. That's Amen. where we are in our household. <laughs> okay. I think we're all going to find ourselves on the table of this disordered eating in some way or season. (laughs) I want to open up with the fact that there is a difference between an eating disorder and disordered eating. So let's be clear. This is talking, we really are talking about disordered eating, where eating does, and the the definition of disordered, it doesn't feel like peace. It's the opposite of peace. It's chaos. It's like one minute I want this, the next minute I want that, and then I'm restricting, and then I feel like food is my friend, and then food can feel like an enemy, like we don't have a healthy relationship with food, and that's a lot of the American population for sure. Um, So this conversation is happening because Tracy, sweet Tracy, um, went back in our Facebook page for our family. So we have the the family of instructors, um, of fitness teacher, gospel preachers, revelation wellness instructors, and Tracy, why don't you just say what you posted? If you don't want it, you can summarize it a little bit. Do you remember? Maybe tell us what was happening in real time. Could you give us an insight into yeah. the home and then what prompted you to post that as you did? Yeah. So I've been thinking about it for a while and thinking, you know, because it's not like I've never asked anybody for their opinion or help in this area, but mm-hmm. because it's the family and I trust them and I know that um, they all have a range of experiences as well, I just went back and said, can you guys give me some insight into how you handle what feels like extremely disordered or dysfunctional mm-hmm. eating patterns with your kids. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I said at the beginning, I have two biological kids and two adopted kids and mm-hmm. my adopted kiddos came to us at six and eight through the foster care system. And 
they have been with us. They're now 14 and 16. So a long time, almost eight years. And the, the, the eating has been an unbelievable battle since almost day one. I mean, like Hmm. having to lock up food that is like snack foods in a closet with a lock and key because there's just, you know, it's a free for all, um, to hiding food and, um, you know, like finding rotting food all over my house to Mm -hmm. somehow managing to find unbelievable amounts of junk food outside of the home that we don't give them, Mm -hmm. um, not eating for long periods of time or not eating the healthy food that we offer them and somehow managing to always eat in secret. So it's like the whole gamut Mm -hmm. of, food issues in our home. And, you know, we've tried therapy, we've tried counseling, we've tried talking, we've tried offering like, here's your snack cabinet. Like we've tried it all. And it's just, (laughs) (laughs) it's just not ever relented at all. And so when the day that you came and posted on the Facebook, what was there a breaking moment? Was there something that happened yeah. in your house? Tell us. So if in, you don't mind. In, yeah. In that particular instance, um, I discovered because we put a security camera in our house, honestly, just because we have four teenagers and we want to know what's happening when okay. we're gone. Mm-hmm. And um, I discovered that my husband left to go someplace. And so I pulled up the security camera. I was at work. And I watched my daughter make a batch of cookies at 5.30, eat the entire batch of cookies, and then hide the containers with all the stuff that she had used to make them in with the pots and pans. Like, mm-hmm. like she wanted it to be found almost. But mm-hmm. then when I asked her about it, she said, no, I didn't make cookies. And I'm like, sweetheart, it's on camera. Like, <laughs> I can watch you doing it. <laughs> <laughs> so, so that was kind of the that was a breaking yeah. like I'm coming back here <laughs> yeah okay so thank you for sharing that and that unleashed a lot of first of all the thing that happened is the the post lit up because people are you're we just felt like you're not alone in this um so I personally can say too from from my side by the way I have two children an 18 year old son that will be going to college next year and I don't know if he'll ever eat like, I don't, he, he's going to waste away because he just, ever since he was born, he's like very picky about food and eating. And I guess he probably will eat because he'll have like a cafeteria ticket because he's living in the dorms, but he'll probably just eat rice every day. Just rice, white foods. He's still on the white food diet, like bread, pasta, rice. That's like, and he's 18. Okay. So Growing up with him, he would not eat. And then I have my daughter um, who's 15. No, well, yeah, she's 15 and a half. And um, she's the other side where she really enjoys food. She really likes food. And they have, and then you got a boy and a girl with different bodies, different shapes, different sizes. So, and he's a boy. Like, and then then you get into that weird thing where you're like, you don't want to say because they're a boy, like, right? You don't want to do that because but they are designed differently. They do, they have more testosterone. They have their own puberty cycle. They're very different women. Here's what's something we all need to keep in mind too. By the age of 14, our daughters could have babies. Like most of them, their their bodies are ready to have cushion, 
to have fat, to have things. They're designed for that. So I have to speak a lot to my daughter about her design is to have more curves and things like that because she'll kind of, the one thing I think I never did was I never wanted them to feel um, like they couldn't have food uh, because I knew that that would be the assumption because of what I did. So I always made food pretty available to them. But I have seen the gravitation towards the easy-to-eat food, the food that tastes good. And neither one of my kids necessarily have any health issues. They don't look like, oh, my gosh, that they um, – because that's the one thing about food is you wear it at a certain point. If there's a size that is uncomfortable for someone, they're wearing it. It can be felt. My kids don't necessarily have that, but my daughter definitely feels the body image disorder. And if I even mention anything about – what she's eating, the first thing is what? You're calling me fat, right? It's the first thing. If you say anything about what yep. they're eating, then it's that you're calling them fat. And so then I'm like, I always have to say, I don't, I have no, it's not to me what you eat. It's the, it's the quality of what it's doing inside of you. And I'm like, listen, mom studies brain body stuff all the time. What this is doing to your brain is what I'm most concerned about. What it's telling your brain and how it's feeding your pleasure sense. It's very similar, as we know, very similar to sugar, is similar to cocaine or any drug addiction, the dopamine that gets released. It's just, it's a legal form of drug. Food is a very legal thing. And so we don't wanna be the food police. It's the last thing we wanna be if we're free in Christ. But yet we also feel this responsibility as a parent. So I think that's kind of what we're here to talk about is how do we, hold guardrails for them but also we also know that they, especially as they get to these teenage places they got to be free to make their own choices and how do we live with that so one of the overwhelming responses to tracy's question which was really like hey this is what i'm struggling with da, da, da. and i would say and you would probably agree the overwhelming response was what me too like, what yeah yeah me too and then the the thing that they're doing is letting their kids kind of choose don't control yeah, yeah don't control don't control don't control but that is yeah. so hard to do when you're there in some way setting a table or, or making choices so um i don't know that that was something that i thought was what does it look like in our homes and maybe that's the bigger question is what does it look like how are we walking out freedom for our kids but yet having some type of some, you know, just like in this home, every home does have a set of rules. Um, it does have a certain way, like you can't leave trash on the floor. You've got to pick up, there's certain things to help overall hygiene of the, of the home, but how do we do this with food? So um, I'd love to hear from Hillary, anything, or Denise or Angie that you have to share that you piped into what Tracy wrote. Well, I think I commented you know, this had been my experience when I was an older teenager, which is why I piped up because I'm like, hey, I, I've been there. I was there for me. And um, mm. I think that the re one of the reasons why my recovery from this was fairly smooth and uneventful is because nobody did control what I was doing to my body. You know, my, I think my parents could see it and knew that I was experimenting with um, manipulating my food and doing that because, and you know, hindsight's always twenty twenty. So when you're 17 and 18, you're just, you're just kind of like this food is something that you can safely um, 
experiment with, especially if you're a good Christian kid, Mm -hmm. uh, where drugs are not, right? So I'm not going to go out partying. I'm not going to go out drinking, but I am for sure going to not eat for three days and see what happens to me. Um, so I think my parents could see there's, this is, this is a rebellion thing. This is a testing the waters, kind of seeing what are the limits here, but they, they didn't punish me for it. Um, which was so good because then Mm -hmm. I was able to try it out, see how it felt to starve myself. And, um, by the grace of God, and it really was the grace of God. Like he mm. did not let me go too long doing that. It was about a year, a year and a half that I played around with that until it really was the Holy Spirit that convicted me one day. I was also obsessively exercising at the time. And uh, I remember I was going for another run. Like I had already been on three runs that day. And I was it's probably the only thing I had ate was baby carrots. And I'm going for this run and I'm not feeling great, right? But, you know, I'm 18 and when you're 18, things um, feel different than they do when you're 38. And I ran up this hill and I'm like, wait, I can't do this. I can't keep doing this to myself. And I, in that moment, felt like the Holy Spirit convicted me with, I made your body better than this. I made your body to need fuel and you can give it more fuel. It can do a lot but not if you don't put any gas in it. And so I turned around and went home and I'm like, I need to start eating what my body needs me to eat, not what I think I need to eat in order to look a certain way. Um, But nobody, nobody else convicted me of that. The Holy spirit convicted me of that. So when we're, when I'm watching my kids, you know, and how they, their behavior is with food and they're learning what their relationship is with food. Um, you know, there comes a, a line, I think, where, like you said, is it disordered or is it an eating disorder, right? right, right. Are they experimenting with this or is this something that has complete control over them? Yeah. And, um, and, but the one thing I, in my post, I'm like, hey, listen, you've got the right to set rules in your own home because you're yeah. the parents and it's your home. Yeah. So if they're leaving food trash around, that's a no-go because you're destroying our home environment that we live in. But their home environment that they live in is their body, right? Yeah. So, so where they've got to learn to make those same kinds of decisions that you're making for the family home for their yeah. own body home. Yeah, that's good. Now, when you were experiencing your own time of uh, disordered eating, where were your? How, what would your parents say now? What was their posture? Because maybe we can learn from that. Did they just um, pray? Did yeah. they? Did they pretend they never they never said anything? What kind of food would they bring into the house? Would you bring other food <laughs> in? Like what 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 did that yeah. tension look like? So my family um, had pretty bad eating habits. So um, so healthy food, you know. I don't know. Like my parents have both have both gone to heaven. So I feel like I can talk about them a little more fairly. But yeah, um, they both probably had food issues too. You know, my mom had been a binge dieter for as long as I knew her. And um, my stepdad, when he moved into our house, he brought in gluttony was a big, was a big Mm -hmm. thing. And that had not existed in our family until, until he came in. So, um, you know, everybody praised me for losing weight because I had started out heavy 
mm-hmm. as a teenager. And then by the time I was 18, 19, 20, I was rail thin. And this was in Southern California where rail thin is a beautiful thing. So I got lots of praise for losing lots of weight. And that felt really good, which now that's like, okay, what I needed was someone to tell me, God loves you. He made you. He created you the way he wanted you to be. You are beautiful. Mm -hmm. Not you look good because you're now a size zero. Yeah. Um, So they didn't, they praised me for losing weight, which was, which was detrimental because that just fed the beast. You know, I get praised for doing good. Mm -hmm. Then doing good must be starving myself so that I can get thinner. Um, Mm. But the other thing that they would do, I remember them frequently offering me food. (laughs) You know, like Mm. I'd come home from work or or school or wherever, and they'd say, hey, do you want to eat? And I'd be like, no, I'm good. You know, not having eaten all day, but I'm good. You know, when my stepdad, he'd be like, hey, hey, have some beans. I made some beans. You know, I remember him always trying to give me uh, a plate of beans. And um, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> like bean, why beans? I'm like, no, I don't eat carbs. I don't eat meat. I don't eat carbs. No beans, no meat. Um, the, it, my mom would leave me a plate of food on the stove um, when I would get home from work. You know, that was mine to eat. And sometimes I would eat it because I'm just starving. I haven't eaten in days. And other times I'm like scraping it into the trash can or giving it to the dog, you know. Um, and, but a lot of that was like, okay, am I, am I going to be an adult about this? And, and are they going to let me? And I think kids do that about lots of things. It could be laundry. Yeah. <laughs> it could be cleaning their room. It could be their studies. Yeah. Um, it's just scarier when it is their body and food. Yeah. It really, it truly is. It's, it, to me as a parent, it feels, I mean, I'd love to control everything. You know, we know that what our kids take in, if we could control, what are their kids saying? Who are they hanging out with? What do they do when they're all alone? Right. Don't we want to know that? But we can't. So it's kind of like the thing that's public in a way. The food is a public shared table place. So it creates this, how do I show up with, to be with my kids and somebody, Angie, I think you said that it was one of the most, like you kind of, I'm going to have to go to you next, but you talked about letting your kids know that we're with them. And I think I would agree that's so hard. How do I, the last thing when I see my kids doing things that are going to hurt them or are hurting themselves in any way, how do I stay with them, Lord? How do I stay with them? Because all I want to do is snow plow and clear the roads ahead so that there's no problems and that you don't get hurt by anyone or anything. And I'm like, I'm finding my own junk is tied into this because I've been hurt. I don't want them to hurt. So I've got a filter of control mm-hmm. around myself that I'm, I'm needing continual. Okay, God, you're with me. How can I be with them in their struggle, in their mm-hmm. walk? So Angie, why don't you pipe in a little bit of what your response was to that post in your experience? Yeah. Um, so I th- actually, the first thing that I said, I think was to um, like, the importance of communicating to our teens that we want to be with them. <laughs> so, so the, I guess I was, I was thinking mainly about um, kids uh, insecurities and their fears. And um, of course we have them too, but they're, mm-hmm. they're so heightened at that age. And, um, and I feel like um, this food issue opens up, 
I mean, especially with all of the, the training as a Rev instructor and then the wellness revelation being such a great tool to, to start to dig deeper into why we do what we do with food. Right, right. And so, you know, really wanting to think um, carefully about how to communicate with my kids about mm-hmm. um, what's going on beneath the surface. And can we talk about mm. not only what's, you know, that, that I want us to have an honest, open home where we can share our feelings, um, but also that, you know, you need to abide by the, the rules of the house and whatnot. But, but um, how, do you, how do you feel about your social situation right now? What kind of pressures are you feeling in life? And, and how, you know, because I'm still working these out for myself and, you know, taking my um, bad feelings to the pantry and to the fridge. And so it's very, um, you know, front burner for me to, yeah. to bring that into communication with my kids. And I, and I think it's, it's just like, yes, I'm in it with you, but I also, um, I want our relationship and I want our home, our family to be a place where you feel, um, like we like you, we like to be with you mm-hmm. and, um, mm-hmm. and you're safe here. You know, it's a safe place to talk about our feelings, but it's also a place where you're valued. Um, yeah. and teenagers see right through us and, and they know when, when they're not wanted around and, and our culture tells them that adults don't want them around. And so we, we have to swim upstream on that, I think, and, and really bend over backwards and repeat it over and over with our actions and yeah. our words. That, yeah. Um, Amen. Yeah. I, I can't help but keep thinking like, I know, <sighs> here's what we do at Rev. We eat our squash, right? Like <laughs> what's, making me so uneasy about this lord what is it in me what's in me what's in me because i want to be a vessel because you tell me you leave me perfect peace i don't feel peace right now about this i feel like this is disordered again there's something they're, they're turning to food for for comfort um so for me i'm just saying for me i have to look at my story of i grew up with a mom who i watched her use food to comfort herself i i actually watched her she was quite quite beautiful when she married my father very beautiful very normal size healthy woman of the 1960s uh pre it was pre um what's the word pre uh, tv dinner <laughs> I think in the in the book in the book I write about how like the cheers heard around the world when TV dinners were invented because my mom thought this is the best thing ever. Like processed food really started showing up in the time that my mom was early married to my father um, and more you know more modified foods and stuff like that. But um, she was beautiful, young, and then my father really hurt her and really in, in ways that he was not faithful to her and all these things. And I watched her. I watched her try and like keep her figure, like trying to work out, like run up and down the stairs. And I remember that still burning. I'm, uh, and she's the reason I did Richard Simmons. Like when I was little, like I was about eight years old and she would work out to Richard Simmons because I knew looking back now, she was trying to like soothe herself in her, in, in feeling insecure. But then eventually my, nothing changed with my father because you can't change someone else with you. And she just put on weight 
weight, more weight, year after year, more weight and more self. And then that kind of that shame came with. So I watched that. And so what did I do? That's not going to happen to me. I went the opposite way. I'm going to use my, I'm going to control this. I'm going to, I'm not going to be a victim like my mom. Um, and then I went off in a completely different attitude. Enough though, the Lord was kind enough to keep me from an eating disorder. Praise Jesus. Have I had disordered eating? Absolutely. Because of the fitness world and competitions, but never like an eating disorder because for whatever grace, like you would say, Hillary, there was a grace at some point, like it just kept me from going further. But I have to remember, I've got this lens on me of like, I don't, when I see specifically my daughter, again, my son barely eats. So it's so crazy because I'm shoving food at him and she's seeing that going, well, why can't I have that? And then I've got to be aware there's nothing you can't have, but do you really want, are you hungry? Are you really hungry? Right? He has true hunger. He just doesn't even know it. He's turned it off. She just has boredom or other things. So teaching my kids how to really clue in to those things have been really hard. And then I've got to die to my filter. I have to die to my fear of something's going to happen to Sophia, that she's going to be the mm. same way like my mom, or there's, there's some history that I need to rewrite or the Holy Spirit needs to rewrite for me so that I can be present now to my children and with them um, no matter what. So there was something, actually, let me, let's go to Denise. I'd love you to share. And then I'm going to pop back to Tracy because I, I have one question for you, Tracy, that's just burning in me. Denise, tell us what you thought as you saw that post and what you shared. Uh, well, I want to touch on the fear factor a little bit because I think that was the thing that rose up in me as I read your post, Tracy. Um, yeah, I just, I was like, yes, that's me. I'm afraid. I'm so scared right now. Um, and Hillary, I thank you for, excuse me, <laughs> for your words of, um, encouragement that Holy Spirit is the one that convicted you yeah. because, yeah. um, that's what I need to hear. And it's not my job to change my son's heart. Mm. It's not my job to, um, change his taste buds or change his attitude or any of those things. Um, and so it's just confirmation for me what the Lord has been speaking to me the past few weeks. Um, and I even um, wrote it down in my journal because he was, um, sorry. <laughs> um, we found out like last year, um, toward the end of the year, I think, um, late summer, fall, winter, going into the winter months that um, he was diagnosed with a fatty liver, fatty liver disease. His liver enzymes were like crazy, really, really high. And um, something that you would see with someone that was an alcoholic. And obviously he's nine, so he doesn't drink. <laughs> um, so um, that's just been so scary for me because, you know, on one hand you have professionals who say, that's genetics, you know, it's just a genetic thing, it happens. And then you've got other folks, professionals, who say it's processed food. Uh, the mm -hmm. liver can't handle all those things that are in the processed food. And um, it's scary in that how do you um, address a true medical concern without yeah. triggering the food police? And yeah. this is what I've been battling. Um, and that fear rises up in me that, oh my gosh, if we don't do something now, if I don't start tracking this, if I don't start cutting out that food group, if I don't start doing this, mm. this, and this, mm. then we're going to end up over here 
and it's going to be worse and we're going to yep. need to do this and, you know all the what ifs and the oh. fears and all of that start oh and it just gets so overwhelming so um the thing that the lord just keeps bringing me back to is denise this is not a food issue hmm. this is an issue of the heart yeah. just like i just like he taught me through platoon yeah. 19. yeah this is not a food issue this is an yeah. issue of the heart and if you want to get after the food issue, you've got to get after his heart first. Yeah. Let's start with that. So that's where I'm at. And I don't know. I seriously, I don't know what this looks like from day to day other than being on my knees in prayer and just um, warring for him in prayer. Yeah. That's where yeah. I'm at right now. He's nine. So um, we've had talks about things and tried to discuss like intuitive eating principles and things, but he's nine. <laughs> Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. That's where I'm at with it. Thank and I you. thank Tracy for putting it out there because I wanted to, but I was too scared. Mm -hmm. And I'm thanking Hillary just for your encouragement that um, the conviction comes from Holy Spirit, not me. Amen. Can Tracy. I, can I just jump in real quick mm -hmm. about the whole conviction and sin thing? Because I work with kids all the time. That's my main job that I get paid for. But um, my heart beats for kids so much. And I think one thing to know with kids, especially nine, but like mine, 11, 13, 15, 17, whatever, um, dysfunction is a sin issue. There is sin that comes from us that we produce. There is sin that happens against us that is not coming from our heart, but it's coming from the outside in. So in my situation, I, I had suffered sin against me, but I also was sinning against God, right? Mm -hmm. In the case of each individual child, it may be different. I like my heart with, you know, a, a diagnosis of a fatty liver at age nine. Mm -hmm. Hey, that is, a, if that's a genetic thing, that's, you know, a dysfunction, genetic sin pattern caused by sin in yeah. the world. Yeah. But he's not the sinner in this situation, right? Yeah. Like he needs the Sweet grace boy. of parents yeah. to say, we love you yeah. the way you are if you have a fatty liver or if you have a normal liver. Yeah. And we want to help you thrive regardless of what the medical diagnosis is. That's why we're talking about food. We're not punishing you. You yeah. didn't do anything wrong. Like I don't, you know. That's good. <laughs> That's good. Sense? Yeah. No, thank you. Thank you. Tracy, I heard you like this connects with you. What, what, what about what Denise said really was like, yes. Yeah. I think in particular, I can relate to what you said, Denise, because, you know, we've had pediatricians tell us that our daughter in particular shows a lot of signs of like pre-diabetes and that she would have a, a disposition towards that. You know, she's, she's got some weight issues. She's expressed dissatisfaction with it. And so like the help, because I, I did not have a healthy relationship with food for my entire childhood uh, up through adulthood. But as I've learned and grown in that, and I've tried to share it with her, like just as in like, I want you to be healthy. I want you to be, have an abundant life. Um, the, the thing that's fearful for me is like, she will agree and she will say, yes, I want to eat healthy food. But then I watch like when we offer it, like we'll sit down to a meal with healthy foods. She'll say, I'm not hungry. And she will exclusively eat in secret. Like yeah. she just won't yeah. eat unless yeah. nobody's watching. And it's, and it's junk, you know? Mm -hmm. So it's like, it's this, and that's not the issue with my son, um, you know, that, that also has some disorder with him. It's more just like, I want it. So I'm going to take it. 
Um, but with her, it's like the, it's the health issues of, I don't want her to, to feel bad about herself. I don't want her to be teased. I don't want her to kind of walk through some of the experiences that I did, but we don't know her family history. She's adopted, you know, like we don't know her medical history Mm -hmm. and there's some concerns there about if you stay on the path that you're on, Mm -hmm. what's going to happen as you get older. Hmm. I, gosh, I I feel like I know how we're going to end up walking away from this conversation. (laughs) And it's what we know we're going to be like, we have to love them. We have to love mm-hmm. them. We have to love the hell out of them. We say that a lot. Jesus loves the hell out of me. He loves the hell out of me. But it's so painful when we watch the falling. We watch the demise. Um, I also want to take a second to just make sure those that are listening know we have. We kind of hit on it maybe a little bit, but um, there is actual trauma involved for some children as well. Um, adoption. We know there's can be lists just. Just it, it comes often with that, not all the time, but it's common that adopted children will often have disordered eating or relationship to food because it's a comfort. I mean, you, you'd get it, right? And it's such primal thing. It's, think about being an adopted child in the sense of, and your child, children were in foster care for a while, correct, Tracy? So, mm-hmm. I mean, it's one thing to be out of the birth canal into some loving arms, like praise Jesus, but praise Jesus for the people like you, Tracy, and those who get into the foster care system because it's gnarly and messy. And these are quote unquote unwanted kids in the such of looking for homes. Could you even imagine that for a second? Like we don't even know. Like we see the books, we read about it, but what that does, especially for children at even a pre-verbal level in their limbic brains, the way they turn to food, they can't even rationalize it. There's no accessing. So we try to rationalize, you know, we try to talk to them and talk therapy and all these other things. But until that, um, the, the healing of that trauma at the limbic brain place can actually occur and be cared for in a way, then you, you can talk about these things all day long. It's why she can say, I want to eat better. Of course she does. Cause she's made mm-hmm. for good and she wants good. But when it comes down to it, dang it, I can't get myself there, I'd rather say no and go sit in silence and eat by myself. And the, the mm-hmm. cycle of, of dis-ease continues. So we need a greater grace for our children. I know, Tracy, you said, my daughter's been in therapy forever. Like she, and I have no doubt, like you guys are therapy people. I'm a therapy person. We do therapy. But if I could say for a second, I feel like this is where, partly where Revelation Wellness kind of holds a mantle of like, let's, let's just what it would look like for our kids to be in their skin, whether it's learning a lot of it, this limbic brain training or healing the, the um, trauma from the limbic brain has a lot to do with learning to breathe, <laughs> learning mindfulness, which no kid at like 18 or 15 wants to sit around and breathe and have mindfulness, right? So <laughs> nope. this, is, this is where they've got to go through life and continue to feel the frenzy, going back to what Hillary said, and then at some point, the Holy Spirit because of all your mama and papa prayers added up and adding up and adding up and the storming of the gates at some point at the right time, the Lord does what he does. I mean, we have to be able to say, is he faithful? Is he faithful? Yes. What do we hate? The waiting. We hate the waiting. I hate waiting. You will be faithful, but this is where it's on us to renew our minds. It's on us 
to be let, let the love, let the hell be loved out of us so we can continue to show up. So I want to ask the question, Tracy, one of the things that was said and we went away with people are like, remove the restrictions, remove the, <laughs> remove the, you know, the, like, just let them eat. And that was one of the things, you know, common. it's easy for us to say, because we didn't pose the question. We're not in the thick of it for some of you. And someone again, like Denise, let your son eat. Well, but he's nine. He still needs some guardrails. What, what does that do for you, Tracy, when you hear take off the take, don't, don't be anything, just let him go. Yeah. It, it honestly makes me like, I want to know, like, what does that even look like? Because we don't <laughs> restrict food. We restrict junk food, right? So like we'll buy it in little small doses and then they can have it as a treat. Um, so like, do I just buy them all the junk food they want? So they eat Great the question. things that they're craving. Cause, cause like us letting them have food anytime they want has never been the issue. It's what type of food and like, what does that even look like? I honestly don't know. <laughs> Anyone? Um, I can jump in just a little bit on that. Um, one of the things that we're trying right now, it's an experiment. I have no idea what's happening with it or where we're going with it, but um, we are trying to implement some ideas I found. Um, honestly, I wish I could remember what book it was because I read so many books about this, but um, it's the division of responsibility. So my responsibility yeah. as the parent is to, I get to choose what kind of food we're eating. I get to choose when we're eating. I get to choose where we're eating. He gets to choose if he wants to eat or not. And then he gets to choose how much he wants to eat. So if I cross that line, he's quick to remind me. And if he's crossing my line, I'm quick to remind him. <laughs> But some of that still feels like food policing to me, it so does. I'm not a hundred comfortable with it. Um, but it's something that we're trying for right now. So, okay, can I tell you like a true story? This actually happened <laughs> at my house last year. So they want potato chips, right? We buy potato chips. You can pack chips in your lunch, but we're gonna keep the potato chips in the closet that's locked so you have to come ask us and we'll give it to you for your lunch i kid you not six months ago or so i get a phone call from my neighbor hey i just thought you should know your husband's car is gone and there's three police cars at your house thought you should know call the house what's going on my son wanted potato chips so he got the ladder out of the garage took it around to the back of the house climbed in the window of the bedroom to get to the potato chips and the neighbors thought somebody was breaking into our house and called the police <laughs> so three police cars show up at our house no parents are home potato chips <laughs> because he wanted potato chips yeah okay so i'm just throwing something out there and hillary i want you to pipe in i'm just like what if now these were teenager kids you were dealing with yeah yeah okay so at this level they're smart like he's like almost I don't think a nine-year-old or an eight-year-old be like, I'm going to get the lap, maybe, but they're smart kids at this point. They're figuring out how the world works. What if you, because I like what you said, like you get to choose what's in the house, you get to choose when or whatever, but you, you were, Tracy, you were controlling when they could have the chips. Yeah. What if it was just, here's the bag of chips. And um, when they're gone, they're gone. They're gone, they're gone, exactly. 
But yeah, what do you do about the, the kids that don't get any because they're gone in like two hours? I know. Yeah. I, it's just, there's always no <laughs> And then you got some going, wait, wait. I didn't even know the chips came in the house and they're gone. Wait, when did she get chips? <laughs> so in our house, we've always been on kind of a tight budget financially for food. So my rule, my one rule with food for my kids is you can have it. But when it's gone, it's gone, and we don't get more till next week. So pace yourselves because I don't want you to be hungry Friday, Saturday, and Sunday because you ate all your food Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, right? All our food, and then um, and then ask me because some things that are in the house are in the house for recipes that I'm cooking. So mm-hmm. please don't you know ask me before you eat something in case I needed that for dinner. <laughs> so my kids have always learned to ask me before they can eat something, which kind of gets a little bit funny because then it's, you know, they're 13 and 11. Mom, can I have some milk? I'm like, uh, yes. <laughs> go get milk. But I remember when they were little, um, I was, I went to go find, you know, I bought a giant container of blueberries from Sam's Club and I went to go get it out uh, to put it in their lunches. And I'm like, where's the blueberries? And they're like, oh, we had those last night when we were watching Dora. Like they're little. I'm like, you had them. You ate the whole thing. Uh, well, the containers behind the couch, they ate the whole thing, five pounds of blueberries at age four and two, you know? Uh, so it, like that, I think is kind of normal human behavior. Um, and, but the thing is, if you never know what it is going to feel like to binge eat something and then regret it, you will always wonder like what it's like to binge eat something and regret it in a way like that mm-hmm. that's like I can tell my kids don't binge on blueberries don't binge on potato chips because you'll feel like crap uh they won't believe me until they do it mm-hmm. so it's uh, and so like now you know one, one of my daughters loves Takis which are fried corn lemon I, they're flavored. awful oh, they're horrible <laughs> but I will buy her Takis because she likes them in her lunch well the first when I started buying Takis um for her she would eat a lot of them, and, but I've noticed like, okay, the thrill's worn off and the desire for them is worn down. And now there's a bag of Takis that's open in the cupboard going stale. You know, she hasn't touched them in, in 14 days, right? Or whatever. Like it does, it, it does go away. I just, especially with kids that have maybe had um, not enough food or not their own food or yeah. poverty with food. Yeah any any kind of restriction on food amplifies the need to claim it as my yeah. own yeah yeah that's i was getting back to like the, the trauma the trauma part of just there's a, a rooted fear and you know insecurity or not feeling safe even though they're totally safe it's still yeah. it's such a primal place food so um that's a good point thank you denise did you have anything or angie did you have anything to add I was just going to chime in with um, something else I put um, in, on, a, on my comment in the post was, um, and I don't know, I'm not a, a developmental psychologist or anything, but I have, as I've parented my teens, I've felt like they, they are not to the point where they can see their life on a timeline, kind of like, where are things going? And um, so one of the things that the strategies that I've had with not not food in particular but just everything is to keep telling them you know in 
X number of years, you're actually going to be independent. And actually my goal for you is independence. I do not want to control your life. I, I look ahead and I see, um, you know, you're going to get to make all these decisions. You know, often this is when we're talking about um, the use of a phone or, you know, screen time or whatever. You're going to be completely on your own making all these choices. And, and I want you, when you get to that point, I don't want you to flail. I want to give you tools to where when you get to that point, you, you have them in your tool belt and you know, at least you've practiced using them a little bit. And, and that, that's, I think the control issue about food, I think we can't tell them enough that you want to control your life. That goal here, my end goal is for you to be a thriving independent adult. Yeah. Yeah. Amen. Continually to communicate that our heart is for them, that we're with them, that we're not expecting perfection, that this is a, we have to own that it's as much of a wonky relationship for us too, with our bodies and with the food, given the climate we're in, that we're with them. I just, I feel like I still come back to what does it look like to be with them? Because we know that's, that's the heart of God. The father says, I'm I'm with you. Even if you make the worst decision, even if here I am. And whenever you want to turn and go a new way, the grace will come to back you and get you going, but I'm with you. Um, so I think a lot of this too, and I'm going to wrap this up for sake of time, but we've got to be taking good care of ourselves. (laughs) If we can't come to a rational place of peace and, you know, being in ourselves, not the first thing as moms is just fear. We're so afraid of what will happen to our children which that whole feeling should hopefully point us to, oh man, this is how God feels about me. Like how much he loves me. Is there nothing he won't do for me? Because there's nothing. I know any of these moms listening, you would do anything. You just would. You, you, it's, it's, this is where love is irrational. You just, I'll do anything. Um, but that we could take that heart that God has for our children to turn it back on ourselves. And I, I feel like the Lord said too, is for everyone who's listening and, Um, those that have contributed that I know it's scary to do and it's almost sounds terrible but it's easy to make our children our idols our families or whatever like the thing that because God loves me I have this no God loves us no matter what and he does want to bless but we have to be able to also do the okay worst case scenario what's worst case scenario what it like we have to be able to walk into what's my fear okay then what if my kid continues to eat the fatty liver gets worse? Okay, what if there? Like those are scary places to go. But women and men that have mindfulness, that can sit down and walk in, that's how, what it looks like to walk through fire and come out the other side not burned. Like the Lord gives us this kind of, it de-escalates. That type of mindfulness of like, okay, what is my fear here? What am I really concerned about? What would that look like? Then to start to use, that's your limbic brain because your fear is there, but then you're rationalizing. You're thinking through this in a way that that's integrated health and wholeness. And we're better parents. We're just better people. Like, okay, I can show back up to my kids today. And also, what does it look like if whoever we're policing or controlling, what would it look like, God, for me to, to loosen? Just what's the next little freedom step I can take? Like sometimes we go, we'll just take it all off. Like, no, God, 
Just like someone else is trying to lose weight, and we always use that in air quotes because something's weighing us down. What's the one thing that I can do to begin to say yes to you in obedience? And for some, for Tracy, it might be potato chips are yours <laughs> at any time, but when you eat them, they're gone. And when the kid cries because he didn't get the potato chips, we know that the Lord is going to be there in that, like something. I, I do, my heart goes out. Again, Tracy, you've got four kids, two adopted. There's a lot of dynamics going on versus some other homes where, you know, our kids have been with us from birth. I have messed up my kids inside and out, many different directions, but continually showing up. Okay, God, come and do the work in me so I can show up and be with them. So good. Well, I don't know if we've solved any world problems today, everyone. <laughs> But I you think, know what? Yeah. What? Oh, I just wanted to share real quick. The story of the prodigal son has always ministered to me a lot, in especially in regards to food and my own children, because you know the kid, like the, that dad's worst fears came true. His kid basically mm, said, "That's right. You, I want your money. Yeah. I don't want you. I'm out." And then he goes out and does all kinds of disordered behavior: Ugh. drinking, mm. relationships, Prostitute. food. And he comes to his senses in a trough of pig food, like mm-hmm. literally, literally with food, the Holy Spirit convicts yeah. him. Yeah. And he goes home because he thinks yeah. my dad's servants eat better than I'm eating right now. It's, it was about food. food and he gets home. And what does dad do? Dad throws him a feast. Yeah. Like it, because what we, well, I feel like I would do is say, yeah, it was about food. And now you're on a diet. Now you're <laughs> right. Now you're on rations. Now you only get 20 bucks a week. You better make it last. But mm-hmm. that dad's like kill the best calf and invite the whole neighborhood. Like that is how much God cares about the person who sins with food. That's like, good. He really does. That's good. Let's end it right there on the word of God. I'm going to pray. I'm going to pray for all of us listening. We're going to pray that just because we shared testimony and our best grasp at what the Holy Spirit is saying that, that now God will do the rest because when we walk in the light with one another, we have fellowship and God is glorified. So let's take a minute to just give him thanks. God, thank you. Thank you that you are perfect peace. You are shalom, shalom. There's nothing in our life we're facing, our children are in or facing that troubles you. There's nothing, Lord, that you are shaken about, but we, God, have places. So we turn our hearts to you and we ask that you would heal the places in us, God. Heal us to be good healers for our communities, our families. Lord, we're so grateful for the gift of children, the promises for the next generation they bring, that they are the head and not the tail, that they are above and not beneath. We stand in your promises that we know you will fulfill, God, even now in the tension of what isn't yet. So God, we thank you. We thank you for food. We thank you for goodness. We thank you for good things that you created and called good. Help us to get on the right side of good. Help us, Lord, to continue to confess when we're not feeling good, when we're not thinking good, when we are scared. God, I just thank you for this family of instructors. I thank you for the community at large that is not looking for perfection, that 
We are throwing off the cares of this world, that we're not conforming, but we are looking to transform God. And we believe that this conversation is going to transform the inner dialogue we have with food and those that we have with our children. Help us to see our children through your eyes. Help us open our ears to hear as you would hear. And then, Lord, help us to be fathered by you. Come and father us. Come and feed us. Come and nourish us. Come and do the work only you can do in us and do that same work through us for our children, Lord. We trust your Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, we employ you completely. Work on our behalf and give us strength in the waiting time, God. Our children are changing generations to come. Our children will be free. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. 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 That was fun, you guys. You should do those more often. So you all need to start posting more like controversial posts back there. We'll see what kind of podcast <laughs> we get going on. I'm waiting for someone. When are we gonna talk about sex?